Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Walking Blind is hosted by overly emotional dudes who overthink and overanalyze everything. Nothing the hosts say should be taken as medical advice or opinion. They're not professionals, and they're about to make that very clear. So just kick back and hang with them, because you've earned it. What's up, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Walking Blind Podcast. This is episode 54, and... You might notice something a little different. I'm Mike, and this is, uh, this is, is, yeah, it's just me. I'm by myself right now. But it's just the intro. I promise Mike Perez, the other Mike, is also on this episode as well. Because this week, we got to sit down and talk to our boy, Daniel Rinaldi. Now, Daniel is the lead singer for Bed Light for Blue Eyes. Also has some side projects and, uh, and some, uh, some solo music out there. Also uh, happens to be a clinician and licensed therapist. Uh, so we get to sit down with him, talk about mental health, talk about his new project, Mind Noise, uh, and then also get to talk about like the good old days of Trust Kill Records and uh, being kind of, you know, the poppy band on the label. Um, you know, all that and more in this episode. I just wanted to touch base because we got so caught up talking to him that we forgot to record the intro for this. And now here I am alone in a room by myself. And it's kind of weird. It's a little, it's a little strange, but check it out. We love you guys. We will talk to you guys soon. Uh, yeah, check 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 it out. Come come hang out with Daniel. Let's go. So my name is Daniel Rinaldi. I used to sing in a band called Bedlight for Blue Eyes that was signed to Trust Kill Records, and I am currently a mental health counselor in Massachusetts. And I don't really do music that much anymore, but I'm slowly starting to fuse music and mental health together to kind of create a a brand and an outlet for people like me that have the same story as me to kind of, you know, fi- find a good uh, path 
to uh, carve out for themselves. That's awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Um, I mean, you, you, you know, you kind of say you don't do music, but we did just hear that, that, uh, solo single that you, that you put out, you know, <laughs> I was like, okay, I like this. I like, I like this a lot. Dude, yeah. Did, uh, did, did you catch Did what I say? Does, does that make sense? Cause I feel what? embarrassed now if I say it now out loud. What? <laughs> what I text you when I heard it, I was like, dude. <laughs> oh yeah. He was, he was saying, I'll, I'll say it for you. Okay. Like there's, there's a lot of, this gear- a, mind you, this is a big compliment because <laughs> The person who I compared you to is big amongst our friends. So, <laughs> so okay. So, uh, there, he he was like, "Man, I'm getting real major like David Archuleta vibes from this single." Okay. Uh, and I was like, "Yeah, dude, I can hear it too." <laughs> um, but so so I kind of want to like go from there and kind of rewind a little bit. Um, so I know that you you had uh you had said that you were um. Involved with Bed Life for Blue Eyes, like right around 2006, end of 2006, early 2007. Mm-hmm. So um, before that, though, like I kind of want to take it back. Like what what was it that got you into like, you know, rock and roll, punk rock, um, you know, stuff like this? Like what's your history and background? So the the story of me joining Bed Light is a is an interesting one. Um, it was kind of like a the like the rock star moment for me, like as far as like the movie goes, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I was never really into rock music growing up. Okay. Um, I grew up listening to what my dad listened to, um, soul music. I was a giant like Steely Dan, Hall & Oates fan. Um, I loved that R&B and soul stuff, uh, um, Temptations, you know, a, a lot of that. Oh. And um, in high school, I did theater um, I went to a performing arts high school, so I did vocals and theater there. Um, and then I had a friend, um, Mark, who was like, hey, man, like, you kind of sound like this singer of this band. I'm going to see them at um, CBGB's in Manhattan. Do you want to come with me? And I was like, I don't know, man. Like, it's not my thing. It's not my, it's just not my music. I was later on in high school, I was really into hip hop. So like I was huge, you know, I grew up in New York city, so I was huge into hip hop. I love Nas. Nas is still my favorite um, MC of all time. And I took a chance and and ended up going. Um, I believe it was, it was Bellight for Blue Eyes, a band called Roses Are Red, a band called Bleed the Dream, and a band called The Confession, which oh, I believe nice. The Confession were out of California. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but went to see them, saw <clears throat> Bell Life for Blue Eyes, and was like, oh my goodness. Like, who's this dude singing? This is fantastic. Like, I need to listen to more. So I bought the album, couldn't put it down. All of a sudden, on MySpace, because that was big then, <laughs> um, I see a, a bulletin go out that says we just lost our singer and we're going to hold auditions and tryouts for a new singer. And that was really my entrance into like the rock and roll punk um, and then diving right into Trustkill um, Records, which was like right. predominantly a hardcore label. Yeah, right. Um, <laughs> I mean, it, predominantly it, it is a hardcore label. They just <laughs> happened to sign a couple of bands that were on the lighter side mm-hmm. um and that was re- that was really it it was like by chance like a weird thing and then i went out and auditioned for them in jersey um in the guitarist basement uh of his parents house 
sang in a car for one of the guitarists that wasn't able to be there. And then they offered me it on the spot. And that was like my entrance into the, the rock punk hardcore world, I guess. That's dude. That's it's cool because, um, you know, like I, I kind of, for me, it was the same thing. Like I grew up more listening to like the, like R and B, like hip hop, stuff like that before I found, you know, like playing punk rock and hardcore music and stuff like that too. But I was going to ask you, it's interesting you say that if you had a musical theater background because your voice has those qualities that that sound more theatrical and like you know like almost like a like a different type of stage presence than you normally see you know in this type of music which is like to me it's awesome like we we don't like to admit it publicly but we'll just sit down together and just watch musicals and and broadway stuff all day long so my i can't i can't really post my uh my spotify rap list whatever because it's just it's it's literally it's show tunes tunes. (laughs) it's show tunes it's like all it is yeah but yeah um, it's i i i went to i always sang in like the church choir growing up um and then when i went to high school i didn't want to go to the typical like all boys Catholic high school. Like it wasn't my thing. So I ended up auditioning for all of the New York city performing arts schools. And I ended up, there was this school that was just getting started called the Frank Sinatra school of the arts, which is like the most ridiculous name ever. <laughs> but um, yeah. so rad. I was ended up being, so my group was like the first graduating class out of there. Um, but with that, we, you know, we were doing opera, classical music theater, and actually, right before I auditioned for Bell Light, I was actually auditioning for different um, Broadway shows at the time mm-hmm. as well. Um, I was auditioning for Spring Awakening, which was like just getting off the ground at the time. I remember like shortly after that, I was auditioning for the first run of um, Spider-Man on Broadway, mm-hmm. um, okay. which like that's a blessing. Like I didn't because that thing was a disaster when it first came out. <laughs> yeah. People were getting hurt breaking things um but yeah so it, it was interesting and people always find it interesting too because like myself and the singer that was there before me christian have very like similar like we have very big voices yeah, that yeah. you weren't normally hearing at that time from the bands that we were kind of um put in the same group with right there yeah so per- perfect uh perfect match perfect pickup to get you feel like they just pick up where they left off kind of thing yeah um we're so the the music i i've heard from uh from bed light was uh the two albums on spotify are you on those ones or mm-hmm. so i'm on uh life on life's terms which is the okay. one with like the little boy on the front cover, the yellow cover mm-hmm. one. um so they had the dawn the dawn was out which is the blue album the dawn was out before before i joined and then my first tour though was was learning all of those songs and only performing those songs is we they there was no mu- new music written mm. um and then like we kind of sat down and we're like where do we go from here with like you now um mm. and what do we want to do they were very tired of playing that that type of music um a lot of those instrumentals from the first album were from like their like original hardcore band that they were before they and they were like we need to do something different let's find like a really good vocalist um so a lot of those songs like if you listen to them like and you take the vocals out they rip and you're like 
oh, that doesn't sound, that sounds like they could hang with like some trust kill bands. Yeah. That's why um, and I think that's what, yeah. yeah, that was like probably helpful um, for them getting signed. But, um, but yeah, so I'm on the second album. Cool. Yeah. And that's one I think we probably listen to the most. Cause yeah. And I, I was, I literally was saying like, I was like, dude, this sounds like it could be like a Broadway musical, like a rock musical. And I mean that in like the most complimentary ways. Cause it's, good your voice is powerful it's good um your melodies were really catchy i was like dang this, this is yeah. it's like it's, a rock musical and it's it's fun. it's interesting because i i actually remember hearing the first bed light blue, for blue eyes album um and i think i'd actually discovered it through roses are red so somebody had put mm. me on to roses are red and then like through that remember like itunes music used to have like well like kind of had like a related artist mm -hmm. section and right, i found yeah. bed light like through that and was like, oh, like this sounds like it doesn't sound like everybody else, mm -hmm. right? Like the the music sounds different. Um, and then I just remember, I remember hearing that like the dawn, and then hearing the second album, not knowing that vocalists had switched. Mm -hmm. But I was like, oh, it's a different vibe now. It's a different vibe. Yeah. It still sounds really cool, but it's a different like. It's not like as emo as it was before. Like yeah. if that makes sense, you know. Um, but yeah, I thought like, and, and then I was like, I, we, I need to make sure that we know which record was which. So we, you know, when we talk to you, we're not like, yeah, this, you know, um, but yeah, I definitely like, I, I personally think like you're, I, I love the way that your, your voice kind of stands out in like a crowd of like, you know, that era of music, everybody kind of sounded very similar. Mm -hmm. And then here's these standout, like, you know, vocal tracks that you're like, oh, that doesn't sound like anybody else on Trust Kill, you know, so it's. That's pretty cool. <clears throat> so I had a question. So so being on uh, being on Trustkill and sounding the way you guys sounded, were some were the tours or the shows you were playing? Were you playing with heavier bands at the time, or were you guys able to do more like a like the rock side of it? Um, in the beginning, we got we got very lucky tour wise. As far as we were a like my first full U.S. tour was was a a co-headliner with Roses Are Red. Nice. And so like we were able to kind of stick with some of the lighter bands. Um, and then as we progressed and kind of like we had to do a lot of fixing mm -hmm. um, as far as when I, when the old singer left and in between the old singer leaving and them finding me, they lost a lot. So booking agent was gone. Um, management was out the door. They were like whatever um and then so we had to do a lot of work as far as like reestablishing ourselves um which i think we did an okay job it was very tough being on Treskill, mm -hmm. um and being a pop band essentially making life on life's terms was a pop record it and it was meant to be that um mm -hmm. on purpose um we didn't want to make dawn the second we wanted something because that's what we were all into. We were all into, we were all listening to like Gin Blossoms, Third Eye Blinds, Sick. you know, yeah. Matchbox Twenty. We were listening to those to those bands and really wanting to do the work to kind of cross over and even cross over past a lot of the bands that we ended up touring with. Like, you know, we didn't want to write songs like from like to to compare like like a band like All Time Low who was coming up at that time or bands like Mayday Parade who like were our good friends. We we ended up touring with them later on, but we didn't want to write those records either. We mm. wanted to be a Goo Goo Dolls, 
you know, at, at that point in time. But um, it was very hard because even like, you know, during touring, you'd get booked in these places and every single band, because it said trust kill, every, every band on that lineup was a metal or hardcore band. So by the time we got on, you know, kids were like, wait, what, <laughs> what, what the hell is this? What is this garbage we're listening to? Or, you know, like we'd be given like festivals. I, I'll never forget. We were playing, um, I want to say it was like cornerstone festival which was like a christian festival anyway which didn't mm -hmm. make sense for us but we were playing with all these hardcore bands like all of these like solid state uh bands <laughs> that didn't make any sense but because we were on trust kill people were like yeah we got to get them on the bill um and then we show up and <laughs> it's nothing of what they you know wanted um so yeah it was hard but like we we were very strategic and we're able to like get on stuff that made sense for us. Um, or at least had like, you know, like we did a run with, with newfound glory and census fail at one point, yeah. there was enough crossover there of like younger kids getting into some of the more poppy stuff where they were like, Oh, these guys aren't so bad. Right. Um, so it ended up working out, but it was, it was tough being a pop fan on trust Kill. Dang. Yeah, I can only I, I and I think that like especially, you know, back then at that time, it was a lot harder for for bands that, you know, are different when they come to shows, because I feel like now a, a lot of a lot of people are like, oh, cool. Like there's a different style of band on the show mm. where back then they're like, I'm going to a hardcore show and I only want to see yeah. hardcore show and I only want a circle pit and I only want, you know. And and then when you're that like that band that sounds different, it's a little harder to to kind of bring people in. Um, but I mean, the fact that you guys were still doing it, uh, was, is, is dope. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. We would actually purposefully work breakdowns into our set. Um, <laughs> like a conscious, like, okay, here's, here's where you'd normally do this, go into, go into a breakdown. It fits the song, but at least we'll give some of the kids at the show something they can kind of bite into, especially when I was just performing Dawn songs that had a little harder edge and the Dawn had some screaming on it. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. So we were able to kind of play with that a little bit, which I think helped. But once we did the the transition to the new album, it was like, no one, no, there was no like escaping the like, who the hell are these guys? <laughs> At that point, you just got, you just ride with Yeah, them, you, you just know? rock it. <laughs> yeah, um, we, and that's what it was. Like we had to. At, at that time so like when you guys kind of switched to that more like pop vibe what was the uh what was the climate like with with trust kill were they just kind of like what are you guys doing or was it were they supportive or was it you know kind of like oh well whatever you know he might hate me for saying this because like in my opinion josh grabell from trust kill you know they're say what you want about him but I think he's like one of the, like the forefathers of like that genre and Hellfest and all those things responsible for that. And I mean, if you look at early Trust Kill, there's some of the most influential bands yeah, on there. Um, but the dude loves pop music and he might hate me for like putting that <laughs> out there, but like the dude loves cheesy pop music. Right. So when we delivered that record, even when we started delivering demos, he was going wild about it. That's like, sad. oh, cool. my goodness, like, that. this is fantastic. Like, 
I don't have anything like you. Um, one of the things also too, though, and, and I've had this conversation with him and he knows this, so I'm not telling any breaking news. Like, I also think it was, it was also a, it was a blessing and a curse at the same time because him not having anyone like us made him not really maybe know where we were placed in on yeah. his label yeah. and what he should do with us. Right. Um, so yes, they were very supportive because I think they saw that we could cross over for them and maybe break down some walls for them. But it also was, we don't always know what to, what the hell to do with you guys. Um, so touring, we were always on our own, you know, trying to find our own tour. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, us getting life on life's terms, getting reviewed on lamb goat wasn't beneficial, right? right like right, that's yeah. not beneficial. Um, <clears throat> us being in revolver magazine or outburn at the time, like that wasn't beneficial. So mm -hmm. like there was some stuff that didn't make sense, some stuff that did make sense. Um, but all in all, like Josh was always super supportive of, of us. And um, even to this day, you know, will mm -hmm. tell me like, you know, that record is still one of the, like the best records that I've, I've put out. That's cool. Yeah. That's very cool. Um, and then, so, uh, let's kind of like, also like kind of step time machine step back. What was touring like back then? Were you guys, uh, like conversion van where you, you know, was it bus tours? Like what, what was going on back then? There, there was no bus for, <laughs> for us. Um, there was, when I first joined, we, we were in a 12 passenger um with the back with one bench seat and the rest ripped out nice. um and then halfway through my time in the band it was we upgraded to a 15 passenger with the bench seat and the rest ripped out um yeah we never we never really broke that like we're going to be able to get on a bus or do anything like that um but touring back then and those things i like when i look back on it it was tough it was yeah. hard mm -hmm. like i don't know knowing what i know now about like mental health right i don't know how i did it how other people did it how people still do it uh, yeah. um you know this is when gas prices were low right this is <laughs> yeah. when it was affordable this is when right people were coming out to shows all mm -hmm. the time mm -hmm. You know, even on a, you'd have a show on a Thursday, kids were still coming out. Mm -hmm. You know, now if you play a Tuesday show in Alabama, maybe you're playing for the bartender. Yeah. Right. And we've had, and we had those shows as well where you're playing for the other band. Yes. Yeah, um, but yeah, touring back then was interesting. You know, my first tour, I, I remember map questing venue to venue to venue to venue <laughs> to venue. And that's how we did, or a road atlas. Yep. Um, and then towards the end, it was like a luxury to get like the giant GPS, <laughs> yeah. like yeah. onto the windshield. Um, yeah, but t touring touring was interesting. It's 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 a it's a, an amazing experience, an interesting experience, and like an experience I wouldn't want anyone that I love the most <laughs> to have. Right. Dude. And I can only imagine too, because because that was an East Coast based man. Like you guys are dealing with the snow yeah. constantly. You guys are dealing mm -hmm. with more more seasons than you know. Let's say a California band that stays pretty 
you know, West Coast. Um, tiny, and, tiny roads. Yeah. Like, it sucks to park in the cities, yeah, the, you know. Yeah, I mean, especially like, you know, you play, you know, if you had a show in Manhattan or you played a show in Philly, right? You played the truck in Philly where mm-hmm. you're like, you're just, you know, you're getting ticketed. Yeah. You know, <laughs> you know, you're getting yelled at. You have to move seven times. Your, your merch guy is moving the van more than selling t-shirts. Um, and yeah, the snow, like I can remember like sliding down hills with a van and trailer, you know, yeah. or, or the worst part about being an East coast band was people who thought it was a good idea to start a tour on the West coast. Yeah. Um, and you'd have to drive for a couple days over to, you know, California or, mm. or uh, you know, Colorado, because that's where someone you're fantastic booking agent said yeah you're gonna start a tour but it's gonna start in la oh okay and it starts uh you know in a couple days oh okay cool i guess i guess we're getting in the van yeah yeah um so yeah so it was yeah it's tough that's funny we we were opposite because at one when we when we were signed a good fight good fight was under e1 which is uh yep new york base no i yeah and um, and then our we were on Crimson booking at the time, which was also, uh, I think they're they're more, it's like Massachusetts based, uh, and so, mm-hmm. and so and we and we this is kind of you know we didn't, we weren't complaining because we needed to grow on the East Coast being West Coast band, and so um, there was a a good two years where everything it felt like at least started on the East Coast, and we were doing East Coast runs and stuff, and so kind of the same deal where it's like. All right, we gotta, yeah. and we we would we were we were so broke that we'd have to like book our own like mini, mini uh you know D market tour all the way <laughs> zigzagging, uh yep. cross country to, to get to just the you know day one of the tour. So yeah, I, f- I definitely feel the whole having to travel co- cross country just to start the tour. Yeah, mm. I don't know how people like, I mean I don't know if people now in like bands just starting out or like super independently wealthy or, or whatever. <laughs> right? Cause I can remember like swiping, you know, swiping my own card yeah. to get gas to the next place or like calling my parents and being like, um, you know, we just need like, you know, a hotel room for the night. Like, would you guys mind just like hooking us up for, <laughs> for the night or something like that? Because, you know, like eventually that, that merch money runs out and, uh, and yeah, you're not getting tour support from an indie label, you know, mm-hmm. like it's not, it's not all it's cracked up to be all the time. You know, they give you some support, but you're not always getting that couple bucks that would have been helpful getting across country. But yeah, I don't, Yeah, I wouldn't do it again. That's for sure. <laughs> we kind of, we kind of talked about it on like an episode, maybe like a month or so back about how, um, you know, we had, we played, uh, both of our bands played up in, um, in, the Pacific Northwest, right? And even just that mm-hmm. little run after not just a weekend. Yeah, it's just a weekend run, right? But even just like the the trip from here to uh Spokane in a van and there's like no shows in between, you're just especially now with gas prices, just swiping the card all the way up. You're like, how did we do this all the time back in the day? Like how yeah. how did we maintain this? Well che- cheaper gra- gas prices cheaper gas, yeah. was yeah. <clears throat> And then the DIY shows Cheap. all the way across the, yeah. yeah. So yeah, it's, it's, I can't imagine. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, um, being a mental health podcast, uh, I don't know if, I think you said you mentioned you watched the show. We, we like to do a mental health check 
And so for anyone who's tuned in, not who's never seen the podcast before, we basically just kind of go, um, you know, wh- where are you at for the week? You know, what was your week like mentally? And if there's anything um, that you do to help you uh, or, is, or, or maybe something you're neglecting to do that is maybe, you know, put you in a funk mentally. Um, so, yeah, who wants to go first? Mental health check. I'll go first. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I actually I feel I feel good today. Um, so I I've been talking about getting back on track with like working out and everything. And so um, I I had my first session back at the gym this morning um, and kind of left like wobbling because I just it's been so long since I've actually trained. Um, and so I was like, all right, cool. You're like, I'll, I'll get a workout in before this episode, come home and shower and stuff like that. Didn't get to do any of that. Came home and it was like pulled <laughs> left and right all the way up until like a minute before we started this. So, but I, it's, it's crazy how just being active will just give you like this, like boost, you know, and like, I feel just like a little sense of clarity, just being like, oh, cool. Like I, I was able to just, you know, get that in today and like, you know, get my body moving get everything going. So um, you know, it's, it's nice to, to just be outdoors and be active. And I've like, I've, um, I've talked about kind of previously how, um, I have had a gym in my house for the past, like four years now. And over the past like year or so, I haven't been using it just because it's, I do too much here. Mm-hmm. So it was nice to be out of the house and getting all that taken care of. And so, um, <clears throat> you know, I'm, I, I think I'm, I'm good right now. Nice, man. Good place. Daniel, where are you, where are you at mentally this week? Uh, this week, I'm, this week, I'm pretty good. Uh, this week was a, this week was a good one. Like how, how I start every week is Monday, Monday morning. I'm in therapy for myself. Mm. Um, it's one of the biggest things people always say, do therapists need therapists? Um, absolutely. Mm. But I also need it as a person as well, even beyond that. Um, so like this week actually was like a really good one. Like I, I touched on a lot of stuff that like, took weight off of my shoulders um and i even i was explaining it to my wife like um i was kind of talking to her a little bit about about my session and it's the first time like in a few months where i feel like my my jaw became unclenched if that makes any sense and like i stopped gritting my teeth um and it was a really good feeling so these past these past few days have been have been really good i felt like i've been able to be like a little bit more present and not and instead of leaning into my anxiety and kind of running away from everything um i've been able to kind of communicate a little bit better with my family um and find ways to be present as opposed to just kind of like scrolling my phone and disappearing right. um and kind of falling into like the gloom and doom of the internet um yeah so like therapy (laughs) therapy (laughs) is the thing that that's been keeping me in in check this week nice that's awesome and i and i think it's very valuable for you to share that you're you know you do you you do counseling and therapy with people and then you also receive it like that's that's awesome i do have a question about that before before you jump in so for for if you know the people that are therapists that also do therapy do you ever find yourself like kind of fighting against your therapist, like in your head, like when you're talking to them like, oh. um, all the time. Yeah. For me all the time. Right. Like, so I've gone through a few therapists, mm-hmm. um, to find one that I'm able is able to call me on my stuff. 
um, and kind of override those thoughts in my head. Okay. Um, I go in with a very, with a view on, on how I think things should be handled. Right. right? Because <laughs> I do it hours a day, yeah, um, every career. day of the week. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's yeah. like, I go in there and I'm like, like, Oh yeah. Or, or sometimes it helps me where like, I'm able to kind of find my way out of the problem while talking about it because I understand the process a little bit different, but yeah, there are certain times where I'm like, or I'll get out of therapy and I'll be like, I wonder why my therapist didn't handle it this or make me do this or talk to me toward, you know, like this, but then you just have to realize like every, you know, every therapist is not created equal, right? Right, Like everyone has their own style, Mm -hmm. their own way of doing things. And therapy at its best is really holding up a mirror to somebody and showing them they can do everything on their own. Um, And that we're just there to kind of nudge and push and shine a light on something. But Mm -hmm. essentially you want to have someone be able to go, I get it. Okay. Mm -hmm. You know, um, at least that's my style, right? We're not all created equal. That's, that's what my style is. You know, I want the person to kind of do that, but I do fight it all the time. I, I was, I went through like two or three therapists before I found the one that I have now. Right. Um, and I think a lot of it had to do with like, I just don't like the process here. I'm not sure I, I dig that. I'm not sure that's like what I'm looking for. Nice. That's cool. Um, all right. So, uh, I think, uh, I feel like this week has been good for me. Um, I, uh, man, I, I've, I've fallen like diet for me was like a big thing that was helping me mentally. (laughs) That's been bad, but I've been managed to stay active and jump roping. And, um, I, uh, I, I, uh, I tell Mike and he kind of makes fun of me, makes fun of me for it, but, uh, I'll, I'll just do, I'll just walk around the counter at my house and just kind of, Mm use that as like a form of <laughs> exercising slash, you know, thinking and whatnot. But, uh, I've been doing that more lately and I feel like that's been helping me mentally. Um, you know, uh, you know, it's, uh, as we're talking about this, uh, there's something I saw you put a post up and like, you know, like I've seen it a million times, but it just hit me differently when I, when I read it, but, uh, it just, you had a post that said, um, something along the lines of like, you're enough. And, mm. and, uh, like for me, that was very helpful in the sense that like, you know, I'm in, I'm still, I'm like in a transition period where I'm like, I'm kind of looking for a new, a new job and, uh, and, you know, I have all these different, uh, you know, what is it? Irons in the fire and I have all these different things going on and I'm, you know, it's hard not to think like, oh man, I should be, I should be at this point right now or I should be, mm-hmm. I should be doing this more. I should be doing that. And, um, and it was kind of one of those things that, you know, not that I want to just sit, but it was nice to be able to like, be like, you know, um, it's like, I'm good. I'm good today. You know? And, uh, you know, I know, I know the effort I'm putting in and it could always, sure it could always be better, but, uh, I'm, I'm trying and I got to at least appreciate that about myself that I'm at least showing up. And so, uh, yeah, so I think, I think I'm good. Um, these, uh, we, him, Mike, and I—we have like, we, like everyone, we all have big plans for next year. So, I think I'm, I'm mm-hmm. trying to really focus on just being like right now. Things aren't that crazy, 
and I think I'm trying to appreciate that and just be okay with with uh, you know where I'm at right now. So yeah, with things being kind of calm. Yeah. Um. So okay. So I so um we talked about the music side. Um. I'd like to know you know what what got you into your profession now? Like when uh when did the schooling for this go? How did work come about? Um. If you can kind of give us an update or just kind of give us that 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 path. Um, I think for me, it was, I worked in, when I first moved up to Massachusetts, I worked in special education and I worked in a middle school in a sub-separate classroom. And I kind of saw how much work there is to be done. Um, And, you know, I was, when I first went to college, before I joined Bedlight, I was I did like my first year of college, and that was important to me. Before I joined the band, I was like, just let me finish my first year. So at least if something happens, I can go back into school and I have like my first my freshman year done. Right. But at that point, I wanted to be like a music teacher. I wanted to be a, a music performance major. Mm. Um, and then when I first moved up to Massachusetts, I wanted I was like, oh, I'll be a special education teacher because that's what I'm working in. That's what makes sense. And like three schools later, um, I decided to get my my bachelor's in just psychology. Um, still didn't know what I wanted to do. Um, and then really what, what made me switch to mental health was it was really me thinking back to the band and thinking about what meant the most to me in the band. And the thing that meant the most to me was connecting with people, human connection, conversation. Um, I was always the person at the merch table. I was always the person in the parking lot talking to every last person who would want to talk to me. And I realized how much of an impact you can make just by having uh, an open and honest conversation with somebody. Um, so I ended up finding, um, at this point in my life, I was, um, married with a kid and couldn't go back full time. Couldn't, you know, I couldn't even go like I did the night class thing for a little bit. That wasn't my, my scene. I was like, I'm falling asleep. I got to drive home at 10 o'clock at night. This is not my thing. So I ended up finding an online, um, graduate program and, you know, worked my butt off, you know, was doing classes every six weeks, um, a different class every six weeks to kind of, um, get through it and ended up being a fantastic experience, um, of just like really wanting to help people because I saw how, how much work there is is and and still is to be done in the area of mental health especially when it comes to kids um but also but also adults and people like me who who need just someone to talk to right like you can't always talk to your wife or your parents or your partner or whoever it might be you need someone that's just going to sit there and listen Um, and i thought i could be that for at least somebody um, and 50,000 clients later, like I'm, I'm able to be that for, for a lot of different people, a lot of different age groups. And, um, 
it's definitely one of the one of the I hold it I hold my my path in mental health in the same regard I hold being in my time in the band where I feel like it's kind of like sacred work mm-hmm. and and something I hold very near and dear and protect very mm-hmm. much um but yeah so that's that's kind of how that went like online school is the way to go at this point being in my being in my 30s and having a kid and at that point needing to work full time um it got me through it and and now i'm just i'm out in the field doing my thing i love that when you were in um like special education like what age range were you working with at that time so i was in i was with middle schoolers so you know, transitioning from like fifth to sixth grade and then um, to eighth grade. Okay. So I guess that's like, I don't even remember how like old you're supposed to be 13, in those grades, 12, but like 12 11, to yeah, 13, like 14. Yeah. 14. And that's those pivotal middle <clears throat> school is those pivotal years where that's when like bullying starts. That's when yeah. kids start to be very cruel to each other. That's when kids start to like find things out about themselves um and i was in a very um like the school and the town itself was very low income Mm -hmm. so there was a lot of um uh separated families there was a lot of poverty in the area so it was just and no one was doing anything about it and it drove me nuts um especially in the schools schools a lot of times things get swept under the rug and if you're part of the pta um your kid doesn't get in trouble um for certain things and kids get locked in windowless rooms when they're bad Mm. um there's a lot you see that like parents if you're listening and you have a kid in middle school check on your kid um (laughs) and and see because sometimes sometimes the adults the adults in schools are the biggest bullies Um, and that was something that also drove me to that wanting to be able to get to these kids that like you send your kid to school for like seven hours a day and it's not always fantastic. Sometimes it's the most miserable experience where they're being traumatized, where they're being bullied. And then I get them after that and, and have to undo a lot or help them undo a lot of that. So, um, yeah, the middle school age range is pretty tough. It's a tough one. Yeah, and, and the reason I asked too is is I was curious. Is there w- like what that what that experience was like, especially if you're dealing with special ed um, classes? You know, like w- that age range. Like, you know, like as somebody who, as a kid, I got picked on quite a bit, right? And I can only imagine, especially when you go into the special um, education range as well, like that bullying and that type of, you know, like you know, and some of these kids aren't able to articulate or aren't able to express like mm-hmm. how it's making them feel or how, how it's affecting them. And I'm, I'm just kind of curious, like how much of that you saw and how much of that was like, you know, really prevalent in, in that time. Cause I know that even for me as a kid, like I didn't know how to explain that. Like, yeah, I'm, I'm upset cause my teacher put my desk in the hallway so I could finish my <laughs> homework while everybody's watching movies, like yeah. shit like that, you know? So that's, <clears throat> that's one of my, that's one of my biggest, that was one of my <laughs> biggest, like, boiling points at Mm -hmm. when I was working in a school was seeing the kid out in the hallway, separated, (laughs) isolated from the group. Yeah. And I would, and, and, you know, it was one of those things where 
you have to be so so on top of it um because even the people who are trained to deal with kids you know kids in special education don't get it right all the time um and there are a lot of teachers that aren't trained to deal with that and there's also not a whole lot of communication right like Mm -hmm. open and honest communication to kids where like you're not allowed to talk about it in school you're not allowed Mm -hmm. to say words like autism in school or um even now like you know like with mental health like you're not it's not talked about Mm -hmm. it's talked about in other ways right we spent years and years of doing a health class and teaching kids how to like look at like a a food pyramid or be like absolutely mortified at their bmi because that mattered when you were 12. Mm -hmm. um but we we do less and less so you know it's super hard you have to be super aware like of what you know how you can best advocate for those kids um and and how you can help them within the 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 bubble of the school district and the school because you're constantly fighting against that Mm -hmm. um you're constantly fighting against administration um and my whole thing was i was always kid first i didn't care if i lost my job because i was protecting a kid and at the end of the day i ended up losing that job because i was protecting my boundaries and kids boundaries and i went out you know in a blaze of glory um, (laughs) knowing that like knowing that like i was shining a light on things that weren't getting done and weren't happening and yeah you you just have to like stay on top of it and and really get to the core of like what's going on in those Mm -hmm. situations with those kids and if they can't advocate for themselves you have to be the loudest voice in the room for them yeah Mm -hmm. that's cool and it's, you know, like you said, it's so true because, you know, a lot of times, you know, people with just, you know, lack of education or just, you know, they're so used to doing things one way and it's, you know, they, they don't realize the damage they're doing. Um, mm-hmm. at my, at the last facility I was working at, um, you know, we ran into that a lot, you know, and, and a lot of credit to the, my, my main, my main boss there, she, she would every now and then be like, you know what? I don't, I haven't been training this in a long time. I, I'm so used to doing things my way or doing ways that I know. And, um, just like little things like, uh, you know, you have a kid who has severe anxiety and like when they get out of school, you know, they, we kind of like, we were kind of bombarding, bombarding them, like making them having to do all kinds of stuff. And it's like, can we let this kid like just chill when he gets home? Like, can we, can we let him just like collect himself? Like he just was at a place where he's, you know that he hates that he hates and he you know he's he's taking you know all kinds of anxiety things and it's like can we like let him just chill for a minute and before we like make him we ask all these things with them so yeah it's it's a i can imagine just having to constantly go to battle but like you said you, you you put the kids first and so it you know if nothing else at least you have that as your your uh i don't know what to call it barometer or whatever it is to know where you know, am I doing the right thing? It's like, well, if you're doing, if you're, if your intention is the, the focus of the kid, then I feel like you'll always be in the right, even if it doesn't follow <clears throat> policy and, and in a lot of cases, outdated policies at these schools. So, yep. Yeah. It's, and, and just to think back, like on school, you know, when we were, when we were kids, like 
nobody talked about mental health or feelings. Oh no, like no, like, never. I didn't know what, <laughs> I didn't know what like anxiety was. I didn't know yeah. mental. I didn't even know that like special education existed when mm-hmm. I was in school. Like I didn't, you know, like I was always the kid that was like, you know, out of his seat and mm-hmm. in the hallway and walking around and getting yelled at and getting put you know, my seat got put next to the teacher's desk, you know, in front of the teacher's desk. And then, you know, I was spent plenty of time out in the hallway or, you know, somewhere else, you know? So it was like, it was one of those things where like, I mean, even when, if we're, you know, if we're going, if we're fast forwarding, like going into like high school. And even when I joined the band, there was no talk. Now it's like bands are more willing to be like mental health anxiety depression let's talk about it let's you know let's write songs about it Mm -hmm. um you know if you listen to that that life on life's terms album and really dissect like some of the more the heavier songs a lot of it is is rooted in like mental health struggles at the time of a lot of different band members um and what we were going through and like that was like the first time like i think like i was like huh, I might have something, something going on here because I was always like, oh, you're just supposed to kind of feel sad at this. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too. Like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Right? Like, oh, you're just supposed to kind of dust it off. Yeah, walk it and off. And if someone makes <laughs> Yeah, if someone makes fun of you like yeah, it feels funny, but I don't know what that funny feeling is. And really it's like, Oh, I'm going to think about that in 20 years Mm, because of what that person said Mm -hmm. or that, that teacher said to me. Um, but I'm glad it's getting talked about now. Yeah. You know, something I I didn't think about until much, much, much later. Um, one of my first times seeing have heart, uh, was in 2000 and I think it was 2008 or 2009. And, uh, you know, I'd, I'd listen to their music. I thought they were a cool band, you know, nothing uh, like they weren't that big of a deal to me. But in uh, in their their uh, Watch Me Rise, there's a it, it's a quick part. And hearing deliver it live, I heard it and it hit me and I didn't understand why it hit me. I was like, why did that hit me? And it's the line of uh, to the slaves of depression, carry on. And that's the first mm-hmm. time I'd ever heard anything about anything remotely close to mental health, <laughs> you know, in, in music, or at least maybe, maybe if I had, it, it just went over my head. Yeah. And I was like, why did that hit me? Cause it's cause I don't have depression. I mean, yeah, whatever. I get bummed out about stuff, but so does everyone else. 
yeah, I've thought about taking my right. life, but so does everyone else. You know, like that's, you know, I just wasn't even on my radar and it, I didn't realize, um, like I like, I like made my eyes like walled up and I was just like, why is that hitting me? I'm not, I'm not depressed. I'm not sad. Yeah. It's like, you know, <laughs> yeah. and, uh, it's, it's interesting because there, there's definitely that era, even, even in this music where it's supposed to be more open and emotional. Right. But there, it was almost like we could talk about feelings and, you know, and emotions and anxiety and stuff, but we had to do it in code. Mm. Right. Like, so you'd write these songs and you wouldn't know that you're necessarily talking about your anxiety. You'd like make your anxiety like a, like a villain in a story right. or something, you know, where it was just like, yeah. I'm actually talking about depression, but mm -hmm. we're formulating it in a way that, you know, everybody can understand. It's like a movie, you right. know? So now that the fact that it's more in the forefront is, it's definitely good. You know, um, I still think that there are some people who may take advantage of the fact that mental health is a, is a, is becoming more popular in a sense or like more on the rise. But I, I still think that there's a lot of genuine, um, you know, people singing about or singing or talking about, you know, things that are, that are true, but you know, <clears throat> I, I think anytime there's something that unfortunately mental health is, you know, is trendy, right? Mm -hmm. Right. Like you go on TikTok, there's, there's influencers that aren't trained professionals that are influencing people in mental health. And are their intentions pure or do they want to get a, a brand deal right. or do they want to get some sort of check? Right. Even, even I remember coming up, like there was always thoughts of, of like people making money off of other people's struggles. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, one of my favorite songs is, and I don't know if it's directly about this, but there was always rumors. It was by a band called envy on the coast. And it was a song called the great American t-shirt racket. Mm -hmm. Um, and there was always rumors that it was about, um, to write love on our arms when that got huge in the scene. Right. I mean, you couldn't go to a show that didn't have the original shirt or you didn't go to warp tour or bamboozle and see a booth and a wristband and oh, all this yeah. stuff. And it was basically just like, you're making money off of other people's pain. Right, um, right. And I think anytime you, you have something that's at the forefront that people with big voices are talking about, there's going to be people where their intentions are pure, where they really want their peers to get into therapy and talk about things. And, and I think the biggest thing is you want that kid who comes to your show or adult that comes to your show to feel comfortable enough to go, that dude's talking about it, then I can talk about mm -hmm. it. And if that guy, if that guy or girl is able to say, you know what, I go to therapy, then maybe they're going to go to therapy, right? Mm -hmm. Like I think at every single show, there should be a booth with pamphlets about how to, uh, your local resources of how to get to different things. And you're holding each other because I feel like you either <laughs> do that or you want to do that. It's it's something that we've been discussing quite a bit lately. Um, it's, it's one of those things where why do why does anyone go to a, I mean, at least when I was going to shows, right. Or why does anyone go to that show? Because it was an escape yeah. from whatever they were dealing with for that couple hours for that 45 minute set, they were able to put away the abuse, the trauma, the thing and have it be that place. So why not 
cultivate that space mm-hmm. and say, hey, here's a resource for you to get help. And it's okay for you to have this idea here because we're going to help you as people who have big voices mm-hmm. and have a responsibility where, you know, some bands maybe don't feel a responsibility, but I feel if someone's buying tickets to your show, buying tickets, uh, buying merch, you know, supporting you, you can have that somewhat responsibility to say, yo, it's okay for you to feel this way here. And it's okay to ask for help here. Um, I always said, um, and I know there's a couple artists doing it now, change the meet and greet, change the meet and greet to a, to a group therapy session, Mm. you know, talk about anxiety at shows, talk about depression talk about those things instead of having a kid spend their whole life savings on meeting you for four seconds and getting a merch pack, have them view you as a human. Yeah. Have them view you as a human and break down that power dynamic of I'm just like you and I get help so you can get help and let's create a healthier scene. Let's create a healthier place so that like we can keep this going. And I think the, the connection that, the fan to artist will that that'll be cultivated there will be amazing yeah absolutely absolutely that's cool and my my uh you know the reason i was doing that's because you know uh the last the last little the last bit of my time full-time touring um you know i was talking before after the show and it was you know different things you know but mostly mental health related things and this is before any schooling for me i was just um I was someone who had lost, I was just a dude who lost a friend to suicide and I just Mm. ranted on stage and I did that for years, for years basically. (laughs) And, um, you know, and so, and a lot of my, uh, my talks with people, mostly just listening, you know, cause I, I was like, I don't, I'm not qualified to hear anything you're telling me right now, but I, I understand that I might be the only person you're speaking to. So, you know, let's, Mm -hmm. let's, let's do it. Let's have this conversation. So, um, the thing that changed was, you know, uh, you know, I'm not, I'm not, uh, I'm not licensed right now, but I, you know, I graduated uh, my degree in social work and, um, I didn't realize the difference in my conversations now with, uh, with people from, uh, the shows that we did, uh, in October, it was just a weekend run, but you know, it, it was just, the conversations felt different in the sense that whenever somebody would share, you know, whether it was depression or, um, they had previous thoughts of suicide and things like that, like, uh, my, my question to them was like, Hey, do you know your resources that are available to you in your mm-hmm. area? You know, and just little things like that. So yes, yeah, so we, we were, we've been, there's some things in the works that we're trying to do to kind of, uh, do that, have something physical that you can take with you, you know, like yeah, appreciate the message. And I think people listening. don't know. Yeah. People don't know, right? Like people, you know, I don't know the age groups that come to your shows at this point, right? Like, mm-hmm. but even if even if you're 16 or you're 30, 40 years old, mm-hmm. you know, it's not easy all the time to access that information mm-hmm. or find that information or feel confident enough to get that information. But if you're someone that they look up to or care about, says like hey you know what we got into we're playing you know Ida B- Boise today mm-hmm. and 
we knew before we started this tour, we looked at every city we were going to and got all of the resources and created pamphlets or created whatever or contacted them and had someone come with a with a table and instead of and hand out their information um i'd love to be able to create something where people could get like 15 minute free consults at shows right like hey talk to this person they they're going to tell you like hey like i think this would be beneficial for you here are your resources like here's what you're dealing with here are some resources for you because some people need immediate, right? Mm-hmm. Some people might go to that show. Like you're, you, you know, you, you said suicide, right? Some people might be going to that show and they might not go home right. after that show. Right. They might need that, that intervention right then and there. Mm-hmm. And man, wouldn't it be wonderful if just that pamphlet was able to give them that hope, that curiosity that they need to continue. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think I just think it's it's so important to know resources, know where you can get help. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, nine eight eight is a is a thing now where yeah. you can call, just like you would call nine one one, and get immediate mental health um, help. Um, but yeah, I, I definitely think there people need to know where to get help. Yeah, yeah, and I think that um, like kind of like part of the idea of this show really was like, you know it's a mental health podcast. We don't always talk strictly mental health. Like we'll just go on tangents. We'll talk about things, but you know, our, the main basis behind it is just like making it just as casual as possible Mm -hmm. to really just express yourself and talk about things. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, people being at shows, like we always say kids being at shows, but anybody really uh, being at shows, you know, um, it, it like you said, it's an escape. Like it's an opportunity to just, Hey, for, you know, a few hours tonight, I'm just going to chill, listen to some of the bands that I like, listen to the music that has connected with me. And then why not have that ability to say like, Oh, cool. Like, you know, Hey, if, and if you're struggling with anything, if you're dealing with anything, like here's, here's some resources for you. Here's some things that you can look into, you know, yeah. or even, so. and what I like about that too, it's, you know, even if they're, even if you're not the person who's like going through it yourself, right? Like everyone yeah. has a friend. You know, that, cause that's, mm-hmm. that's a lot of what my conversations are too. Like I have people reaching out, you know, for a friend, you know, or they're like, Hey, mm-hmm. how do I talk to this person? Or like, or they'll tell me, Hey, can you, re- can you reach out to this person? It's like, <laughs> yeah, I can. But, um, yeah. you know, but, uh, yeah, it's, 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 it's an area that I, you know, like you've mentioned it, it, it has more attention now. Um, it, it, it is kind of trendy, which is cool. But there's still so much, so much work to do, and there's a lot of, um, you know, I, I don't want to, I don't want to just be, I think, I think, um, I don't even know if we've had this conversation, but like, you know, it's nice to like have songs about it, and I, and I'll talk about it on stage, but I just don't want it to end there, and I can't just rely on having mm-hmm. people come to me after the show. Right. You know, as you know, as, as cool as that as that is. And, and I, I always it just it's still it's still humbling and blows my mind that when someone is willing to come and talk. Oh, yeah. And share that. Absolutely. You know, it's like that will always blow my mind, especially, you know, even when I rewind to when I was touring. And, you know, I was a guy in a band that never that never finished college. You know, I was, you know, so I'm like, who I am. You should not be talking yeah. to me yeah. <laughs> like I'm not someone to you should be speaking with. But. You know, I always admire that courage to just share. And so um, I'm glad that uh, I'm 
you know, I don't know faith wise, but I, I, I'm always thankful that I, even though I didn't really know it at the time, but I was always acknowledging that as a strength right away. Cause it is to be yeah. able to, sh- to, to reach out and, and, uh, you know, make that, you know, the, even if that's the only step they take, um, you know, I just, w- I, I wish, you know, obviously looking back on it now that I could have had something for them, like tangible to take home with them. And, and, uh, I'm, I know that moving forward, uh, at least on our, on our end, we're going to, we're going to do some things on our side to kind of help that. And, uh, you know, I'm hoping that this podcast becomes something that, uh, allows us to have conversations with someone like you, you know, I'm, we're going to, we're going to definitely be talking a lot more after this podcast, which I'm excited about. I love to pick your brain about things. And, um, you know, I just, uh, yeah, I, I want this to, you know, to grow and become, you know, something like, uh, you know, we are, are funny. It's not funny, but our, our slogan is, you know, normalize checking in on the homies, but that's, I, I saw, I saw the shirt. I saw the shirt. <laughs> yeah. Um, but that's so important, right? Like mm. when, and, and like, I don't know if this will, how this will come out, right? Like in, in, in words right now, but mm. like, especially guys like you, right? Like when you think of like, no bragging rights, right? Or like you, you turn on that music. People have this preconceived notion that you're supposed to be like these tough guys, yeah. right? And like the fact that you're willing to sit there and go, no, 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 listen. Like you can have tattoos, you can do all of this stuff and still check in on yourself, check mm-hmm. in on your friends, be there for each other. You know, because isn't that what the hardcore scene is really? It got muddied along the way when I think of like going to like banner shows in New Jersey and like (laughs) all of those things, you know, like worrying you were going to get like really harmed um, as opposed to like, that's what the scene is about. You're supposed to take care of each other. If someone falls, you go and pick them up. and like to rewind a little bit, like you might have not felt like you had, like you wish you could have given them more, but like you said, like at that point, that was enough for them to just be able to talk to the person that they looked up to. I still have saved emails or and saved notes over the years of being in the band of people that were like, hey, like I was sitting in a car ready to you know, ready to end my life. And I popped your music in and I'm so glad that I did because I turned the car around and went to the hospital. Mm. Um, and like in those moments, like, you know, number one, that's super heavy. And like, I never got into it at that point to have that responsibility. Mm. Um, but like you said, at that moment, it was what they needed. They got something, they had something and thank goodness they did. Right. So like whether it's a song you put out, whether it's the 10 minutes you took before or after the show, whether it was you willing to say, you know what, I can't help you, but I know someone who can, Mm -hmm. because I do that all the time. And in, in my work now, I have friends hit me up, people in the scene hit me up and go, I know you live in Massachusetts and you can't do this, but like, I'm struggling and I need help. Got you. Mm -hmm. I don't need to be from, you know, Texas to, to help you. 
I, I, I can find you something. I can figure it out. I never, there are so many therapists that don't read their emails and don't talk to people, which is like a thing that pisses me off. Um, that they'll just like let an email go by. Um, yeah. I answer every single person. If I can't be your therapist, I will help you find something or understand what you need and get you to the point where you are. And that's like, like you're saying, like having the information for people that come to shows is getting them to that, maybe that next step that maybe you can't help them directly, but you can get them somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. And then, um, so is that, that was kind of the idea behind like your, basically your new businesses that you're, that you're starting, right? Like the, um, the, the companies that essentially you're, you're working for. And then can you tell us a little bit about those? Like, you know, what you're doing with them? <clears throat> so I kind of, so right now I work full time at a group practice. Um, that is a fantastic practice with fantastic people. Um, a lot of them, um, are like expressive arts therapists. So they do a lot of within like movement and art and music and things like that. Um, so that's a fantastic practice that I'm at. That's kind of like the full-time gig. Um, but with my other stuff, so I'm never comfortable with where I'm at. I always want to do more. I always want to create, I always want to put something out there. Um, so I created mind noise, which was built out of connecting with like people on Twitter who I really look up to that are, they might be in marketing, they might be in different, um, different areas of mental health or business. And what I was seeing was I was like, there's not a whole lot of therapists that look like me. Um, when I was going looking for my own therapist, I'm mm -hmm. like, there's not a lot of like young guys that look like me that like, I want to talk to. Right. Um, and so I was like, I want to somehow get into like helping people in the music industry, in the arts industries and in the sports industries, things that are kind of close to me. Um, so I kind of just like, was like, you know what, I'm, I'm just going to go for it and do like a kind of like an education consultation sort of business. Um, and I kind of just like, like hit the ground running. It's still in the baby stages of like me under, like wanting to really figure out where to go with it and what I want to do. If I want it to be this like business business, or do I want to turn it into something that's like a nonprofit where I'm able to do other things with it as well. Um, but basically like I want to help people in the industry get help. Um, but I also want to help labels, management companies um, really understand that like, like how you treat your bands, how you treat your staff, how you, market how you put things out into the world all should have some sense of lens on it that is is looked through the lens of mental health mm. um especially when a label is dealing with a band that's out there grinding and they're treating them like a piece of meat 
and feeding them to whoever um is that band happy are they are they healthy are they okay um they could be the most profitable band in the world but we see all the time that 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 isn't always a good recipe right um i think most most notable and recent for me is like chester from lincoln park right no one everyone was like wow like we we didn't know this we didn't see the signs we didn't do this for me it's like where's the label where's the management where's this where's that but did they know did they know enough did they have the education to understand that they needed a break Mm. they needed this whatever they might have needed i don't know the story but i just want to be that because i've lived this experience um I know what it's like to be on tour in a band. I know what it's like to be in the music industry for, you know, well over 12 years now from being in a band to being a solo artist, to being signed to an indie label, being signed to a major label. And like, it's, it's, it's shark infested waters out there. So if I can help anyone navigate it or just help facilitate for people, right? Like, I just want to, I just want to help people. Right. So like, that's, you know, like locally I'm doing what I can with, with my full-time job, but I want to affect more. Hmm. And my noise is my way of talking to people like yourselves. Right. Hmm. Um, talking to management companies, labels, um, and just kind of seeing where they're at. Like, how what's what's your mental health what's your what's your mental health strategy at your label and i think sometimes nine out of ten times they're gonna go well yeah we have like a a, we we let them know that they could go see a therapist Hmm, okay all right how's that working out you know and Mm -hmm. it's not and i think we need to like we need to break down those walls right we need to be honest and say I don't have all the, I don't have the answers here. Help me. Um, because I think a lot of people in the music industry, especially we have all the answers. We're good. We got it. We have therapists. We have this. That's wonderful. But that ad campaign you put out there is super inappropriate, right? Like this, this thing that you're doing, this band is moving in a way that's not appropriate for 2022 right like the the way that it's being portrayed the way that things are happening um so i just think like i always want to create and collaborate and and just help where i can especially in the music because it's in the music industry because it's near and dear to my heart and and i said it in a tweet i think not too long ago like if you were in a band from the starting in like the the 2000s you're probably in deep into therapy by now um because you didn't take care of yourself and you Mm -hmm. didn't realize all the damage that you were doing until you became an adult and realized oh it's it's okay to go see a therapist Mm -hmm. yeah (laughs) you got you got your uh producer notes over there i mean that i got to get in my questions that i had um we let we let Mike run a little bit of the producer side of things because because uh, he likes to get nice and organized. <laughs> <laughs> well, this I feel like I feel like you gave me more than what I was like even looking for as far as um, 
you know anyone who knows me will tell you i give more than anyone ever asks for so <laughs> that rules man and you know i'm i'm excited i'm we'll, sure we'll talk a lot more off camera and stuff but uh yeah i mean anyway can support whatever you're doing um it's it's you know for for the stuff that we were we've talked about and things that i've been passionate about my 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 passion has always been the hardcore scene just because you know i was so connected to it and and uh i just felt like people don't realize um you know for it being like a very you know violent scene very gang affiliated <laughs> very you know all that stuff um when you talk to people there's a lot of brokenness there's a lot of you know a lot of people that are searching and and hurting and um and you know i just i always felt like it was that just scene in general is so it's so um uh it's like a population that's not that's not um not looked after because i think in a lot of ways you know people think oh well you know it's a lot of tough guys it's a lot of strong guys a lot of a lot of men in there a lot of yeah. you know strong women and stuff which is true you know in a lot of ways but also you know it's just there's a lot you know there's a lot of suicide in that scene there's a lot of you know mm -hmm. and not just showgoers you know we're seeing it now like you know there's you know band members that are you know you're hearing about them you know people taking their life and and so um yeah it just i really i really admire what you're doing and i'm excited i'm excited for 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 uh mind noise and what you do with it because i think that's it's so needed you know and I know you're going to hit a lot of resistance, I'm sure, with a lot of <laughs> a lot of labels. And I'm sure bands, because like you said, it, yeah. you know, it, we have everyone has it figured out. You know, I felt like I had everything figured out. Um, my first one of my first true uh, therapy sessions that I went to, I went because I just wanted to see what it was like to run it. And I was like, just so I can get notes for myself because I didn't. Mm -hmm. eat it. I was just like, yeah, I'm going to go. Yeah, I don't need this. Yeah. And then, of course, I walked out of there just like almost in tears because I was like, oh, man, <laughs> I didn't realize. Yeah, I was... you, don't, you don't realize it sneaks up on yeah. you. But it's it's one of those things where it's like I just urge people to just be just be open to to communication. Right. Mm -hmm. Like let's let's all continue to have conversations and not think that, like, we know better than the next person. Right. right. We can all learn from each other. Um, even if you are doing a good job, like let's still talk, right? Like labels, management companies, like let's still talk and connect. And because if everyone had everything figured out, we wouldn't be seeing the the numbers that we're seeing, right? When mm. if you took a poll right now of all of the active bands in the scene about their mental health, I guarantee you'd be astonished by the by what you were seeing. And, and then if we ask the bands, what is your label doing? What is your management company doing? Um, what is your booking agent doing? They'd probably go, nothing really. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. Maybe the manager is doing a little bit more because mm -hmm. there's a little bit more closeness there, but like labels, you know, are they? So like, yeah. let's just like, let's help people, you know, like let's, let's connect and help people and, and, put all the other stuff aside and like make sure we're like saving these young people's lives, you know, and, and putting them in the, putting them in the right direction to get help. Yeah, right. Um, if they need it, when they need it. Um, but yeah, like I totally agree with the hardcore, you know, the hardcore scene, there is this misconception. Yeah. Um, there's always been a misconception, um, with the hardcore scene, you know, like I didn't know much about it until I was on trust kill. I didn't know much about the hardcore scene until I was like, 
oh, I can get guest listed for this show. Sweet. I'm going to go to, I'm going to go see terror and Throwdown. you yeah, know, yeah. like, and then I'm like, oh, interesting. But little did you know, like I've spent time in like hot tubs with those, with those guys, you know, like, yeah. um, yeah, in my label owner's backyard hmm. and they're, they're humans, yeah, right? Nice like dudes. everyone's a human. Yeah. yeah. Nice guys, humans, like need the same help that we all need. So hmm. I, I just think like, you know, going forward, like, like you said, we, we all need to connect with each other. And, and if we can all help each other out on the way there, like, what's the purpose to help? So let's help. It's not for us to like be these self-serving money-making machines. Yeah. Money is nice, obviously, but like, why are we doing it? Why did you write the song? Why did you join the band? Right. To find something, to connect with something. So let's continue to do that. And that's, that's what my noise is to me is continuing what I started in the band, which was human connection. Yeah. That's very cool. Um, well, uh, I was, I was gonna say we can, uh, I'd like to just like kind of end with just a little, just little basic questions on, uh, like coping mechanisms. Um, one of the questions we get quite a bit is, you know, it's the holidays and uh just any any advice you would have for someone who's um how to how to basically deal with you know if if the holidays are a difficult time for someone what is some you know little tips or advice that you would give to them i definitely think um i mean obviously depending on what you're struggling with in the holiday season um i know sometimes a lot of times um grief is is a thing that people struggle with especially around the holidays i know i struggle big with it um and what i do is i you know i make sure like talk to my therapist communicate um communicate with those around you that you trust right um and let them know how you're feeling and how you will be feeling mm -hmm. um and really find those moments to whatever your thing is if if you're if you go towards meditation yoga um, those things schedule those things into your into your time um it's the christmas season right now find days of the week where you can check in and do those things those those coping skills i'm big with journaling i love to i love suggesting journaling to people um getting thoughts out in front of you right. and out of here and in front of you and sometimes when we read those thoughts over we go Oh, okay. I know how to deal with this or I know who to talk to now. Right. Mm -hmm. Check in with yourself. It's called the sanctuary model. It's, um, what am I feeling? Where am I feeling it? And where can I get the help? Right. Mm -hmm. So understanding what the emotion you're having is during the season, the holiday season, where you're feeling it and who's going to be able to help you. Sometimes it's you, sometimes it's your partner. Sometimes it's a, it's a friend. So doing those things, if you're struggling, I know a lot of people, they get together with family that can not be the grandest of occasion. Set your boundaries, understand your boundaries and where you need to set them with those people that aren't um, filling your cup. Mm. Um, and, and also, again, take time for yourself, right? Self-care is not selfish, right. right? Taking care of yourself is not selfish. It's you the, the term is you can't pour from an empty cup right mm -hmm. so you need to do things that are filling your cup and taking care of you so you're able to be present for for the things you want to be present for mm -hmm. um so i you know i always suggest just kind of 
you know, checking in on the homies, right? Um, and understand and checking in on yourself and really and really understanding and then giving yourself a break, having self-compassion during during these busy seasons, understanding like like we talked about, it's okay for it for you to be enough. It's okay for what's happening to be enough. Mm. Um, and you don't need to go the extra mile to to do anything else. You can just have what's in front of you be enough. But I would suggest anyone who's not writing, put those thoughts on paper, get those thoughts out of your head, get them in front of you so that you can, you can see them and you can understand like, Oh, that's pretty negative. How could, how could I deal with this instead? How, how could I flip this, you know, mm. flipping those negatives into, into different things. And, Oh, I did this. I wish I would have done this, write it down yeah. so that the next time that happens, you know, Oh, I, I want to do this. You know, I want to do this instead of this and then, and then work on that. But yeah, taking, taking time for yourself. Self-care is not selfish and self-care isn't always like bubble baths and bath bombs and, and pedicures and manicures. Sometimes self-care is like sitting with headphones on and listening to a band or self-care. Self-care can be whatever you need it to be. Um, <clears throat> So just take, you know, just taking the time to check in with yourself and, and understand like what it is you need and where, where you need to get that help in, in these busy seasons, because they can sneak up on you. Yeah, for sure. It's funny for the journaling is awesome. And I, this is kind of like a, like, I don't know, I guess funny in a way, but, um, I had somebody that had written, written to me and they reached out and uh, it was over the weekend and I just didn't get it. I didn't get around to it. And they'd written me a long paragraph of what they were going through. And before I, I was reading it for the first time and they had written another response and they said, you know, I, I read through what I sent you and I kind of realized some things that I had, I didn't realize were, were pressing on me until I read them in front of me. Mm -hmm. So it's, you know, and you were like, that's why I waited to get back to you. <laughs> <laughs> A wizard is never, oh, whatever. <laughs> but, um, yeah, it, it's so important. Like, because you don't, it sounds different in your head. Yeah. It sounds so different in your head. When you get it in front of you, or if you talk to a friend, you start to hear it, or they hear it, mm -hmm. and they go, "What? Yeah, like what are you talking about? Like this isn't do this instead of this, yeah. or you know, you look at it and go, this is how this is what I'm feeling. Shit, like this is an easy right. thing for me to deal with. Like I can I can fix this, or man, I didn't know this was a problem. Okay, like I need to I need to." go a little bit deeper here so i i think you know th those things sometimes getting getting between these between the ears is sometimes the most the most dark place in your life and getting it out getting that darkness out and putting a little light on it is is sometimes all, all you need. need to do yeah, yeah. um so I know that, that uh, we've kind of asked a bunch of the questions on our side, and you did send us one that somebody asked on your side, which is, um, you know, essentially, what's your biggest personal struggle in your day-to-day -day life? And then to kind of go on top of that, like, how do you cope with that? How do you work through those struggles? Um, <clears throat> so for me, day-to-day, -day, it's anxiety. I am, I sometimes, and the people who love me most will tell you I have crippling anxiety um, to where... And it's like, I laugh because I'm like, I'm a therapist. Yeah. Like I shouldn't, I, I help people 
understand this and I can't understand it. Um, and with that comes me not being able to be present for my wife and my daughter, which is a killer for me. Um, it's one of those things where I can always tell um, when I'm in sort of a, a, a not so good place when my daughter, like I can tell my daughter doesn't like me as much. Mm-hmm. Um, she doesn't want to be around me as much. Um, and I can see that I'm disappointing my wife with how I'm acting. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, that's like the biggest day-to-day struggle is just my anxiety and thinking, you know, thinking I'm not good enough, thinking that I'm not a good dad. I'm not a good husband. I'm not a good son. Um, and feeling the guilt and shame that comes along with that, how I deal with that. Number one is getting my butt to therapy every week. Um, number two is, um, finding better communication, um, communicating my feelings and not keeping people in the dark. Um, because oftentimes when I'm able to have the conversation, I'm able to either help myself or someone else is able to say, Hey, why are you worried about this? This, we can do this. We can do this. Mm -hmm. This is okay. Like I can take the burden off of you a little bit. Um, so, you know, doing that and really just trying trying to be more present and intentional with my time intentional the whole week why am i doing this what is this for um and part of me is one of those things where like when i do that i'm able to smile and feel a lot more like who i feel i am um and who others know me to be um and you know, like the like I said, like the past couple of days, I felt like I've unclenched my jaw. I felt like I've had genuine laughs with people that I wasn't having. Um, and I owe that to therapy, but I also owe that to finding a way to communicate to the people I love that this is what I'm going through, and I might not be able to spin it around and do a 360 and do cartwheels in the backyard. Right. But at least, you know, and you can kind of put your arm around me and go, all right, like you got this, like you're good. Hey, like something, something changed, like what's going on. Uh, and then also me being open to that. Right. Um, I always come from a place of def- defense. Right. I I come from a place of like, wait, you're telling me I'm, I'm, I'm being mm-hmm. a, I'm not doing this. Mm. That can't be. I'm going to find everything about you that pisses me off and tell you all about it. Um, (laughs) And that's not appropriate or correct. So being open. (laughs) Yeah. yeah, Like Mm. being open to, to hear that you're not being present and you're not being intentional and being willing to say, what do I need to do? What do you need me to do to best support you? Or what do I need you to do to best support me? Mm. So that's how I deal with the day to day struggles of of a giant anxious fool that i am <laughs> very nice um and then uh before we kind of like jump out of here and then you know if if we if we want to stay like kind of after the show and hang out a little bit and talk we, we can do that but you know while we are still recording so um as far as music goes do you have any 
solo projects that are that are on the way any um any plans with a band maybe i mean you know any anything on the um on the horizon for you <clears throat> i dabble here and there mm-hmm. um there's no serious plans ever yeah um i definitely think like my being in a band or anything like that or pursuing it for real is kind of that that chapter is closed Mm -hmm. for me Mm -hmm. um i wouldn't be opposed to like you know do it having like an online presence and then doing some like local stuff when Mm -hmm. i when i felt like i was confident enough again in myself to do that Mm -hmm. Um, so no like plans on the horizon. Like I'm always willing to like collaborate with people, um, get in a room and write, um, all that stuff or a virtual room and and write. Um, Mm -hmm. so like no foolproof plans, but like music's not totally out of my life. Right. Um, it's always going to be there. It's always going to be like the driving force in my life. Um, but right now I don't have like any any official plans or anything like that. But like, if you're someone with music and you want to collaborate, <laughs> hit me up. Right. Yeah. And, and then just my, my last, my last question. And uh, I, I kind of want to do this because our plans for the podcast, is we like to also get, you know, people in the scene, whether bands or whatever, and, uh, you know, talk about their experience with music, which we've got to do. But my last question for you would just be, um, if you could, if you could go back to when you were in the heat of your of your time touring, what would you either tell yourself differently to do to protect yourself mentally, or um, or just yeah, or, or just what would you do um, differently? Or maybe you were doing things back then that were helping you mentally, but uh, yeah, what what was something that what's something that you would do, or what what advice would you give yourself to to help yourself mentally? I guess. I think if I was able to talk to myself, I would tell myself to set boundaries, um, clear boundaries, um, with the people in my band and elsewhere. Um, and I think I would have also told myself to, um, communicate your needs better, um, instead of just kind of always kind of going with like, yeah, sure. Let's yeah. Okay. Mm Mm-hmm. Yep. You guys know better than me. I mean, I was 18 when I joined the band. So I was a, I was a baby compared to the guys I was in the band with. Mm. Um, they were a lot older than me at the time. So like, I was always kind of like, yep, yep. Okay. Yep. Whatever we want to do, whatever is going to go. So I wish like I would have had more of a voice, Mm. um, in certain situations. Um, and there's always a part of me and this is like a selfish part of me there's always a part of me that wishes like maybe when we ended things that i would have had the mental strength to continue on or see what else was out there instead of kind of falling down a spiral of this is over for me mm-hmm. and I have, I'm not going to ever do this again um, where I would have had the men, like the strength and the support to go, no, talk to your, talk to your, what are you doing? Talk to your label, talk to this person, talk mm-hmm. to these people. Like, don't just fall into this hole and, and not do it. Like where, like I was still young at that time where I could have 
done something right away or or whatever it was so yeah i i think i would have set boundaries and just been like a better communicator and kind of had a a, a bigger voice at certain points of the band right awesome man. well dude daniel thank you so much for for coming on and and uh talking with us i guess we should also be thanking matt for yeah. for connecting us and and uh yes yeah man yeah, this is this is awesome, dude. Yeah, we really appreciate you. And I know that I know that we were kind of a mess getting all the scheduling together and and com- communicating back and forth. But you know, thank you once again for coming on, man. This is awesome. Yeah, we're still figuring absolutely. This thing I out. appreciate you, yeah. <laughs> dude. So absolutely, um, I appreciate it. Uh, do you want to plug any uh, social media? Do you want to plug any um, you know contact information? Anything like that? <clears throat> um, you anyone could hit me up uh, if you're looking for help in the in mental health or anything like that just because you're far away doesn't mean i can't help you um daniel rinaldi music at gmail is is a good way to contact me it's kind of the one that i look at the most um and social medias are d rinaldi music twitter all that stuff um i don't actually know what the handle for my noise is but if you go to I, there's an underscore in there somewhere and i don't know where what the hell the underscore is um uh, it looks like it's mindnoise.co yeah mindnoise.co so if you, you go, go to yeah. that um there's a lot of like um you know cool quotes and things like that um that's kind of what mental health social media is mm-hmm. at this point it's kind of like fun quotes and fun fonts mm-hmm. But yeah, like anyone could always hit me up on any of those things. Um, talk mental health, music. I'm always willing to talk to anyone about any of that stuff. So um, yeah, hit me up. Awesome. Yeah, dude. Once again, thank you so much for this. And we'll, uh, we will definitely, I, I'd love to talk to you again uh, sometime soon, you know? Yeah. So. And like I said, we, we can Absolutely. chill a little bit after this, after the show. So we don't want to just jump off right away. But, you know, for now we'll say thank you so much. And we'll, you know, we'll see you guys soon. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.